are there hidden messages in our DNA? There is evidence to suggest the possibility that the spiritual and supernatural experiences chronicled across religious texts, all the way to modern-day encounters of spirits and extraterrestrial beings, are altered states of consciousness, wherein we are unlocking living messages within our DNA that both potentially explain our existence and also initiate consciousness evolution. In the wise words of an ice cream vendor in the Peruvian Amazon, God wanted to hide his secrets in a secure place. Would I put them on the moon? he reflected. But then one day human beings could get there, and it could be that those who arrive there would not be worthy of the secret knowledge. Or perhaps I should hide them in the depths of the ocean. God entertained another possibility. But again, for the same reasons, he dismissed it. Then the solution occurred to him. I shall put my secrets in the inner sanctum of man's own mind. Then those who really deserve it will be able to get to it. Benny Shannon, The Antipods of the Mind, Epigraph What is DNA? DNA is the molecular blueprint for a living thing. It carries all the genetic information to construct living organisms. It is one of the two most notable nucleic acids, the other being RNA, the messenger of DNA. RNA carries the information out of the nucleus and translates it into the language of amino acids, which are often referred to as the building blocks of life. This language tells the cell's protein-making machinery the precise order in which to link the amino acids to produce a specific protein. There is, some would say surprisingly, just 20 amino acids that are used to make proteins, and this language is universal throughout nature. A protein is like a paragraph written in the 20-letter language, the exact nature of the protein being determined by the exact order of the letters. Animals, plants, microorganisms, and viruses all use the same set of 20 letters. Francis Crick, Life Itself, Its Origin and Nature. Even more amazingly, DNA and RNA themselves are characterized by giant chains of repeating patterns, or bases, made up of just four chemical elements. So, the foundation of all living things is built from a base of just four letters. Combinations of any three of DNA's four letters mobilize cells to join amino acids together in a particular order to synthesize specific proteins. Wait, but something doesn't add up. Four letters, yes. Any combination of three of these letters forms the specific request for a specific amino acid in the chain synthesis of a protein. So four by four by four gives us 64 base pairs. Okay, but there are just 20 amino acids used in the creation of proteins. How can that be? There is a lot of ambiguity within the encoding of amino acids, it turns out, with different triplets coding for the same amino acid. There are just two amino acids that are specified with just a single codon, methionine and tryptophan, but more on that later. So, to sum up, DNA is a giant chain polymer Interesting fact. As a polymer, it is chemically related to the vinyl record. Think about that for a second. Its chain is made up of a base pairs that consist of just four letters, and this information is used to create all life via its transcription to RNA, which is then carried out of the nucleus and used to synthesize proteins from the translation of codons into orders producing amino acids in specific sequences. So hopefully, that gives us some insight into the basics of DNA. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Turns out we don't know a whole lot about DNA, 
the information within our DNA that stores the process of creating life through the synthesis of proteins accounts for an approximate of just 3% of our DNA. The number varies among scientists from 1% to 10%, but there is not a defined figure. This portion of our DNA is known as coding DNA. But what about the other 90-99%? to It is often referred to as non-coding DNA, or in some cases, as junk DNA. The research I have explored thus far, and some of which I am about to share, would express anything but, and would consider this term naive in the least. Some people will like to try and refer to this as junk DNA, but I would suggest otherwise, because this represents 98% of our genome sequence, and it does all sorts of things, like regulate those genes to figure out where they should turn on, where they should turn off, how much we should turn on certain genes, how we are going to back up the DNA into chromosomes, and so forth. And there are probably a whole host of functions that non-coding DNA does that we still don't know what it does yet. Elliot Margulies, PhD. So here, Margulies gives us just a few functions of non-coding DNA, but surrenders to the unknown in that, considering the massive percentage of the genome that it amounts to, when considering the ratio to what such a small share can create in the coding DNA, there are most likely undiscovered functions of this mysterious and dominating percentage. The vast majority of DNA in our bodies does things that we do not presently understand. Chris Caledine, Understanding DNA. We are going to entertain the possibility that this non-coding DNA has within itself something attaining to a record book, and we'll discuss some interesting tests that have been carried out upon DNA that correlates to such an idea. I just have to say that all the credit for discovery of this research goes to Graham Hancock. Without his books, I would not have known about these fascinating facts. For anyone looking to dive deeper into this subject, read his book, Supernatural. The first test we are going to discuss is known as Ziff's Law. Ziff's Law shows all structured languages share a commonality. Ziff's Law arose out of an analysis of language by linguist George Kingsley Zip. He theorized that given a large body of language, for example, a book, the frequency of each word is close to inversely proportional to its rank in the frequency table. That is, word frequency when plotted against word rank on a line graph equals a slope of minus 1. Thus, the most frequent word will occur about twice as often as the second most frequent word, three times as often as the third most frequent word, etc. I.e., if the word with the rank of 1, the most common in a book, appears 10,000 times, then the 10th ranked word will appear 1,000 times, and the 100th most common word will appear just 100 times. The Test In 1994, George Stanley applied Ziff's law to both the coding and non-coding portion of DNA. The result was one of fascination. When applied to the coding portion of DNA, its conclusion was false, as would be expected. However, when applied to the non-coding portion of DNA, it was found to yield the same linear plot found in all human language. In every case where non-coding regions of DNA have been evaluated, they turned out to demonstrate a perfect Ziff's law linear plot. George Stanley concluded the non-coding DNA sequences do contain a structured language fundamentally unlike the coding in genes. Science News. A second linguistic test applied to the sequences of DNA, also expressed in Hancock's book, Supernatural, lends itself to support and solidify this theory further. Developed in the 1950s by information theorist Claude Shannon, 
This text distinguishes texts written in true languages from texts written in alphabet soup by quantifying redundancy of any string of characters. This test works and is universal because languages are redundant sequences. You can fill in a typographical error by noting nearby characters. A random sequence, in contrast, has no redundancy. When this was applied, once again to the non-coding portion of DNA, it was shown not to have the properties of a human language. Of course, the genetic code couldn't be a redundant sequence in which errors can be corrected with reference to the general context. A single mistake within the genetic code can produce catastrophic abnormalities. The non-coding sequences, however, revealed a surprising amount of redundancy, another sign that something was written in these mysterious stretches, Science, Volume 266. The conclusion here would show that this junk DNA possesses all the features of a language. But we are not here to conclude, merely to offer a possibility expressed through evidence, so that you may, if you so choose, research further into what's possible and realize that there is much that is still unknown. We are truly in the rudimentary stages of evolution, and we should behave as such. We should be humble and open to what may be possible. My hope is that what is shared here and throughout the information I have and will continue to publish, it will inspire others to delve deeper, because we all have the potential to make a breakthrough, to change the course of what we know and how we think for the sake of us all.